Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. Joining me again today is Brad Thorpe. Brad is the founder and inventor of IsoFit and is my go-to for anything relating to isometric exercise and isometric strengthening, which as you may know, I'm a huge fan of and huge advocate for in strength and conditioning, rehab programs, and so on. So today, Brad and I are actually talking about isometric exercise in a different lens, different light. Uh, we're actually looking at it more about the cardiovascular health side. So we talk about things like blood pressure and that sort of thing. So a lot of great content in this one, especially with a lot of individuals coming to me with questions about heart health lately. Highly recommend you give this one a listen. Enjoy. Brad, welcome back to the podcast. This is what third time now, I think, if I'm uh, counting correctly here. It's uh, it's good to see you again. That's great to see you. Um, yeah, it's the second or third. I mean, they, you know, it's always good to talk to you. So if it's not the if it's not the third, we'll we'll have a third. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. There's uh, there's plenty more where this one came from. But, you know, for people who might not have heard the last ones or maybe they're not familiar with you and who you are and that sort of thing, would you mind filling them in real quick about who you are and all the amazing things that you're doing up there with ISOFIT and that sort of thing? Well, my name is Brad Thorpe, obviously. Um, I am the inventor of an exercise product called ISOFIT, which is um, a pretty unique uh device to do isometric based exercise. So I think I'm up to 24 different patents on it. Some would consider me the global expert or global leader in the subject area. Um, Outside of that, you know, I'm a father, a husband, you know, a dog owner, all those good things. But with ISOFIT, man, it's been a, a wild ride. We're now in 33 countries. We have over 380 clients which we call family members, and that consists of the U.S. Army, the FBI, the British Royal Navy, uh, 20% of the NBA, and a whole host of like little therapeutic clinics down throughout the U.S. and over in Europe. And it, it's been a remarkable ride, for lack of a better word. So that's, that's who I am. That's what we do. Um, we're helping a ton of people. And I'd imagine if uh, groups like that, uh, the ones you just mentioned, Brad, are using this device, it probably works pretty darn well um, because I've noticed like the military and professional sports teams, they don't usually use things that aren't effective. Um, that's what I hear anyways. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because one of the things when you start to explore where isometric exercise and strength training really come into play, it touches upon all aspects of being human. Right. It's like how we're currently sitting at our desks right now. We're being held together isometrically. Right. So for all the office workers out there who may be going, hey, I got neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain. You know, I might have like, you know, some obesity issues. I might have hypertension and high blood pressure. Well, we can help all of you within like you'll notice a difference within probably about a week or two. And, you know, where you sort of say, hey, does it work? Um, The results kind of defy logic until you put your head in the research papers. And they're as clear as day in the research papers. It's just people just don't usually read them. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And um, to your point there, Brad, I think we need to, uh, we've started to see this shift anyways over the past few years of looking at exercise as a medical modality or exercise as medicine And, you know, we can dose it in certain ways, kind of like we dose medicine, 
it's going to have an effect or, uh, you know, whether that be a therapeutic effect or a side effect, um, just like medicine. So I like that concept. And as you've mentioned, you know, exercise, especially isometric exercise, can go a long way in promoting overall health uh, for an individual. And kind of like we've talked about in our past podcast episode, I know we talked in detail about the importance of exercise for health of individuals, especially athletes. A lot of times we get so caught up in the performance realm that we kind of forget like, hey, these you know guys and gals, they're people too. And you know we got to keep them healthy. Yep. And when you, you, you know, take the NBA as an example, um, obviously each one of these guys who makes this league are absolute specimens, but that's 450 people, you know, out of a population of 320 million people. So I think if we, you know, as a collective, because everyone's striving always to be, hey, we work with these athletes, these athletes, these athletes, the impact that ISOFIT is having on the general population to me just blows my mind. It's, you know, and we talked about this a little bit on our the last episode, but, you know, I'm working with guys with LVADs, so which is a left ventricular assist device. So they don't actually have a functioning heart in their body. They have external pumps um, that circulate their blood. So like little things like that, where it's like you get to work with that, that population, the stroke population, like we see extraordinary results with um, basically reconnecting the, the, the functioning brain to the muscle structure. So it increases their stability and it gets rid of some of their pain. And when you look at that, it just can inspire a lot of hope to a lot of people, and which, which is truly kind of fantastic um, across the board. And, you know, recently, uh, it, it seems like I've this week alone, I've talked to some of the world's leading golf instructors. Um, so we're now basically uh, getting into the eyes of the golf performance world. And it's like, wow, you know, last week was basketball, you know, and I'm off to an NHL preseason training camp tomorrow uh, to work with 40 NHL hockey players for the next week and a bit. And it's pretty remarkable how you go from therapy to performance training to rehab to preventative health care and um, you know realistically improving people's the quality of their lives and that's yeah. how broad broad stroke isometrics is yeah because uh, you know definitely yeah um, as you mentioned improving quality of life and preventative health care uh, one of the hot topic things I continue to see in the news lately, I don't know about you, Brad, but it seems like a lot of people are concerned about cardiac health, whether that be the different cardiac events that we're seeing in athletes and individuals acutely um, or, you know, hypertension, all these different, um, you know, cardiac events essentially are very buzzworthy and uh, trendy right now, I'll say. And I think that that's an area where, at least from what I remember uh, from our past conversations in the literature, isometric exercise can really play an important role in reducing, uh, you know, cardiovascular risk uh, profile and managing blood pressure. I think it's, oh, um, I, I'm going to go off the top of my head here. You had a uh, Carlson, um, Bedrov, and um, Inder, I think, were three of the main blood pressure articles that you referenced in your 118 reasons to use isofit uh, folder that you sent me. Um, I don't remember what year those come out, but I remember that there was a lot of literature supporting isometric exercise for uh, managing blood pressure 
and reducing your overall likelihood of different cardiovascular risk factors. Does that sound right? Yep, it is true. Um, and a lot of that research stems from a guy named Dr. Ronald Wiley, who was an Air Force research scientist. And this is going back to way, way, way back, like old school back, 1969 back. Um, so what they did was they basically hired um, or commissioned uh, Dr. Ronald Wiley to see if he could elevate blood pressure in fighter pilots who in order to qualify for uh, fighter pilot school, you had to be kind of pre-hypertensive because um, what they want to do is be able to withstand more G-force, so gravitational force as they go through their turns and, you know, their their, their different flight tactics. And what they found um, within a couple days of, you know, using an isometric-based protocol, which was squeeze the joystick or the control stick with your non-dominant hand. Um, cause you usually use your dominant hand for the, uh, the, the, um, all the different other controls. And what they found was within a couple of days is these guys who were pre-hypertensive and they wanted height, like more tension, like more blood, higher blood pressure. Um, they noticed a decline, which was an epic failure. Um, not, not good, um, for that specific purpose. Um, now subsequently he went on a 30, 40 year sort of research tirade for lack of a better word, and, you know, ended up discovering and creating a protocol um, where it was basically using a grip strength dynamometer. So basically this thing you would squeeze with your your hand and the product that eventually came out was called Zona, Z-O-N-A. And what it was, was basically a prescriptive model that you could do isometric exercise with just one arm. And what you would do is you would squeeze that dynamometer. And, you know, if you want to save a ton of money, just get a tennis ball um, and squeeze a tennis ball. And what it was, was the protocol was four minutes or sorry, four repetitions, excuse me, times two minutes um, with about, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes rest interval. So the committed time on the day was like, you know, 12 minutes. And they'd recommend doing that three days a week. And what they figured out was is basically better than a single pharmaceutical agent for lowering your blood pressure. And this is going back, and there's a ton of literature in the 70s, the 80s, and 90s um, on blood pressure and isometrics. But somewhere along the way, it was deemed contraindicated, meaning that if you have hypertension, you shouldn't do isometric-based exercise. And, you know, one of the, the devastating effects of hypertension is, well, two of the major things are heart attack, and the other one is stroke. Now, the funny thing is with stroke patients, and I shouldn't say funny, the irony of most stroke patient um, recovery training protocols. Um, so when they had hypertension pre-stroke, they were told not to do isometrics. Once you have your stroke, one of the first things they recommend is isometrics, which makes no logical sense, but it's so good for neuromuscular re-education and it's safe. It's easy to perform. So they, you have these people who had basically a rupture within their you know, artery or vein in their brain, and then now it becomes safe to do isometrics, which is a little bit interesting. But, um, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, because it is really right now, it, it's probably the biggest buzzword in, call it preventative health and cardiovascular rehabilitation right now. Because about three weeks ago, there was a study released by the British Journal of Sports Medicine. 
and oh, his last name is Andrews um, and a bunch of other guys. I'm pretty sure it's Andrews. Um, but what they did was they um, basically did a, uh, a deep dive, so a meta-analysis, and they used 270 papers. And there was over 15,000 uh, participants in the combined studies. And what they determined, so it was a comparative analysis, and what they looked at was um, isometric exercise, so three different modes of isometrics. So they looked at a wall sit, a leg extension, and a grip strength dynamometer, like a grip strength exercise. They compared that to what they deemed combined training, which was resistance training and cardio training. Um, they broke that down into cardio training as well as resistance training. And then they compared it also to HIT training, so high intensity interval training. And one of the things that they found out was the effectiveness of isometric exercise pretty much crushed the other modalities. Um, and they have basically an effective, uh, an effective scale um, that they sort of looked at in this model. And isometrics was 98% effective, where the combined training was in and around 75, 76%, getting into resistance training. Cardio training, I think, was 41% effective, right? And this is the gold standard for, hey, you got heart stuff, go do cardio training. It should work. Well, it's not very effective. And the literature will show that over the last 40 years as well. And then HIT training, which you think about high intensity interval training, that was the worst. They were like 39%. And you look at that stuff and it's like, okay, somewhere along the way, people have just pulled in the wool over everyone's eyes. And it's like, hey, heart health. Oh, that means you got to do cardio. Where it's like, well, no, it doesn't really work effectively. I mean, are, are there benefits? Absolutely. I'm not here to say that there's not benefits. However, if you do have hypertension, um, there's just a much better option, and that would be isometric exercise. Now, the literature traditionally compares 24 minutes a week of isometrics, right? So three days, eight minutes of total exercise time versus 90 minutes a week for usually three to six months. So you got six weeks versus six months, 24 minutes a week versus 90 minutes. So that's your typical cardio sort of test. And it, it's just significantly greater. So it's more time effective. It's more efficient. And to be honest, it's a lot safer to perform isometrics uh, for individuals with hypertension, you know, or new to exercise. And there's a lot of people out there, obviously, who are hypertension, who also are suffering from metabolic conditions like obesity. Um, you know, so it's like, OK, well, maybe putting that person on a treadmill for 90 minutes a week uh, puts that individual with obesity under a little bit of risk of maybe back pain, hip pain, knee pain, ankle pain, because uh, they're not accustomed to walking for 90 minutes a week. And, you know, therefore, those rotational forces and the compression forces might be just high risk for that individual leading to um, a negative outcome or a negative experience and they just don't want to participate anymore so yeah yeah what um what do you feel like is the main mechanism or main driver behind isometric exercise being such an effective tool for managing blood pressure uh, my opinion and this is still to be you know confirmed by science so let's look at it that way but when you just think of it logically um, it's clear as day 
Um, so normally when you're looking at your circulatory system, you have to think about the, the components of it, right? So you have your atrial side, which consists of your heart and your arteries and your capillaries and stuff like that. And, you know, then how does the blood get back? That's your venous, right? So venous return or the venous side of the equation. And if I look at the total blood volume in most humans, it's about five liters. And 35% of that blood volume is in your atrial side at any given one time. 65% is in your venous side. And the atrial side, um, you know, you have your heart and it ejects the blood into that region. And that's great. And, you know, obviously you want a working heart. But when you're looking at sort of the venous side, well, that's a, it's a muscle pump. So it's like 99.2% controlled by a muscle function. And if you can look at it that way and sort of say, hey, well, if I want to improve the efficiency of this entire system, well, I can either A, focus on the 35%, or I can turn my direction and turn my focus on to the 65%. And when you're looking at an isometric-based exercise, so isometrics have the ability to sort of increase the activation rate of muscle tissue up to around 100%, where traditionally dynamic exercise will activate the tissues to about 88, 89%. So we're basically looking at a way that we can strategically um, engage muscle tissue better and more effectively to help with the return flow of blood. And you can also think, so you take that and you go, you put that over in the column of sort of, yay, this is a, a win for isometrics. But you also have to think about the natural tone of muscle tissue, right, which is more of an isometric in nature um, than dynamically. And when I can increase that tone, it also increases the contractility of tissues. So if I can increase the contractility, let's say it's the muscles of your upper arm, right, your, your tricep, your bicep, your deltoid, you know, there's a muscle in your, they're called your coracobrachialis as well, um, you know, and obviously your rotator cuff muscles. So if I can increase the contractility of all of those tissues, I'm going to have better levels of compression at my glenohumeral joint. Now, if I lack compression or it's under a specific amount of laxity, you have to think about that artery coming out, you know, that brachial artery coming down the arm. Well, if I put that under stretch, right, because I don't have the same compressive force, well, that artery is going to narrow. Um, that artery is going to also thin, right? So the diameter decreases, the wall thickness decreases as well. So it becomes less compliant, more risk of, you know, having issues or also having plaque buildup, right? We all... We always hear about narrowing arteries as being a relatively bad thing as well as associated with hypertension. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. So if I can increase the diameter of the artery or vein um, and it's near instantaneous, um, it takes like one or two sessions um, before you can actually see that increase in wall thickness and diameter. So that takes away some of the peripheral resistance that your heart and your blood pressure is going to have to be um, placed under. Right. So you look at all that and it's just like, oh, OK, well, none of that seems complicated and it's not. You can prove it in a physics physics based model um, just looking at flow dynamics. You know, you put, um, you know, I don't know if you have brothers or sisters or anything like that. But I remember as a kid, I would put my finger over half the, the end of the hose uh, and it would change the, the velocity of the fluid in there and it would shoot out. And, you know, you could attack them. It was wonderful.
imagine if that's going on internally, right? So all of a sudden you narrow the artery a little bit so the pressure has to go up and let's put a little bit of a plaque buildup in there as well. And, you know, now you have all these vortices and all these sort of things that augment blood flow, um, you know, within your, your circulatory system. So yeah. all that, all that stuff. Yeah, no, I love that. And uh, it's funny you bring up the, uh, you know, the main driver being muscle contractility, because I was recently uh, talking with a vascular surgeon about, you know, we were looking at individuals who just present with a lot of swelling postoperatively. And um, he was saying, uh, we, we were talking about the value of just basic, you know, seated cab raises or ankle pumps and that sort of thing. And it's amazing just how getting a muscle to pump and getting a muscle to fire, just repeated compression, relax, uh, relaxation, compression, relaxation over the, um, you know, the vasculature from the muscles uh, can really have a substantial effect from a pumping of fluid standpoint. And then it's, uh, you know, the matter of you stop and think, hey, you know, if I can increase the strength of this or the compressive force of this exponentially by just holding, not even moving or pushing or pulling without movement, um, you, you know, I think I think that really holds value uh, to our clients and that sort of thing. Um, so that's huge. Um, I would also say on top of that, you know, you mentioned the simplicity of isometrics and that we only need to achieve 24 minutes a week. I mean, the, the dose that's needed for this response is very minimal. Um, and, and I'll also say that I feel like the intensity that's needed is very minimal. You talked about squeezing a tennis ball. I think that anyone or almost anyone can squeeze a tennis ball for two minutes. Um, and it's not like, you know, white knuckle grip we're talking about here. It's just you have to exert some kind of muscle force for a prolonged period of time. Yeah, and their research ranged from 10% uh, effort all the way up to 100. Um, and their sweet spot is usually around sort of 60 to 80%. So yeah, so don't kill yourself. Um, now you can also look at it in the sense that you could use it to get a little bit stronger. So you would need a more more intensity. Um, you know, so if you go to the sort of 60 to 80% versus the, you know, the 10 to 30. But, you know, if you're just starting out, start out with the 10 Give yourself permission to sort of say, hey, we're going to start a journey that I've never done this before. And one of the things that so the CNN reported um, that, you know, the study that we previously mentioned, um, and they basically um, CNN had it, BBC, a whole bunch of Australian sort of nation um, newscasts. It even got translated into, um, into Danish and um, Swedish. I both had articles sent to me. And one of the things that they sort of recommended in the article, and this was the research, um, but it was basically four repetitions times two minutes of a wall sit. And, you know, I just want to put a massive warning with that. Um, a wall sit for two minutes for most people who regularly exercise without blood pressure issues is challenging. You know, it, it, it's a high risk scenario. So you look at that, and also within the CNN article, they also put a plank, um, which wasn't mentioned anywhere in the literature. So I think what they tried to um, do without actually talking to the, the author of the article was just give a level of familiarity uh, where it's like, oh, what's isometrics? Oh, it's a plank and a wall sit. Well, it's virtually any muscle or e exercise where you just contract for a period of time without actually moving. Um, so there's a lot safer exercises to achieve these blood pressure results 
than both of these exercises. However, you know, the plank or the, sorry, the wall sit was the one that uh, was determined to produce the greatest level of result, but there are other ones that are significantly better. Um, in my opinion, um, what I've seen in uh, practice over the last sort of really kind of 15 years of using isometrics for individuals with blood pressure issues. Um, but one of the things I just do want to put that big, huge warning out there. If you do have hypertension, if you are new to exercise, if you are carrying a whole bunch of extra body weight and mass, uh, four times two minutes is not where you start. That is a place where you strive to get to over maybe a couple months um, of progressive loading, um, be it isometric loading, where, you know, you start maybe with uh, four times 30 seconds, you know, and that's saying that's on the high side um, and start there and learn to allow your body to adapt um, to these new forces and these structures or sorry, not structures, these exercises. And rule out the risk factor, because obviously, if you have hypertension, there's a risk of stroke. So, you know, and you very well might be medicated. Now, here's the, the, the other warning I want to put out there to the population. If you are medicated and you start doing isometrics and you're doing it daily, you may no longer need that same level of dosage. You will feel lightheaded in about two weeks. You may need to reduce that dosage. You may also need to get off your medication over the period of, you know, several months. So it is highly effective and it should be also come with significant warnings. Um, a, don't do too much aggressively at the beginning. And it is highly effective at lowering your blood pressure to the point you may not need that medication any longer. And normally in the world of medical practices, there's no exit strategy once you get on your blood pressure medication. This is an exit strategy. Um, it will lower. We see it all the time. I get medical doctors who do isometrics and, oh yeah, are, re have reduced, if not eliminated, their blood pressure medication. And that's also, once again, medically recommended. Don't just listen to Brad, monitor it the whole time, but put that warning in there that sort of says, oh, it's actually really effective at lowering my blood pressure. Um, now, one of the things that you have to always think about with your blood pressure, just get a monitor. Um, you know, we talked about those kids who are dying prematurely. Like there was a kid the other day, who was 17 years old, um, just dropped dead on the basketball court. Um, LeBron James' son, you know, had an episode. Um, most young athletes don't have a clue what's going on with their heart. They don't have a clue what's going on with their blood pressure. You know, um, when I was a young athlete, so when I was 19 years old, I was diagnosed with blood pressure as 150 over 100. Um, and that was my resting blood pressure. So well into the hypertension category. I was an athlete. I was at school at a volleyball scholarship. Um, I exercised about six days a week. But what would happen when I would exercise my blood pressure? So that diastolic number, um, which is the bottom number. So if they say like 120 over 80. So the top number is what would be defined as your systolic. Right. So that's the amount of force exerted against your artery wall when your heart is contracting. Diastolic is the amount of force exerted against your artery wall when your heart is relaxing. Um, so my number was about 95 to 100 consistently. But when I would exercise, it would drop into the low 40s. So you would look and you go, oh, there's Brad lying on the ground again, um, you know, because I would pass out. So, you know, so I was one of the lucky ones where it's like, OK, I'd go through these experiences uh, of blacking out. You know, and this was way back in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s. So what did they do? Well, they put you back in the game. 
um, as opposed to now you got medical teams rushing you to hospital and to figure things out. Um, but subsequently, yeah, I figured out I had what's called preventricular contractions. So my ventricles don't fire properly. I get a lot of backflow in my heart um, and my blood pressure drops uh, significantly. Now, um, with isometrics, I was able to lower my blood pressure after about two weeks. Um, and that was after 14 years of um, trying to figure out um, what it was. But once I implemented it, it took me two weeks. And I've never looked back. And that's 15 years ago now. It's amazing how something so simple could have such a drastic impact. And, you know, I, I love your point, too, about the importance of understanding, hey, what is it that I'm doing here? And can I really handle it? Because as you mentioned, you know, uh, two minute planks, two minute wall sits uh, for four sets on top of that, that's, uh, that, that's going to challenge the best of us. Um, um, it, it's bordering on negligent, um, yeah. you know, to um, for the majority of the population. So it's like, well, let's not take something um, that has the potential to be super healthy and help a ton of people and put a prescription that's going to leave a negative sort of taste in their mouth so they don't participate, they don't do it. And that's tradition, traditional to what we do it traditionally in the exercise industry, right? We make it too hard. We make it so people, I think 80% of the American population does not have a gym membership. Why? You know, and you look at that and you go, well, they either A, have negative experience. It's not about the funding because, I mean, you can go to Planet Fitness, it's $10 a month. Um, you know, so it's a, they don't see the value in exercise. Now, the interesting thing is the, the 20% that actually do have gym memberships, they go less than twice a week. So what is wrong with this industry that we need, uh, well, A, nobody's wanting to participate in it, no matter what they sort of say, hey, numbers are up. Yeah, numbers are up. There's plenty of room for growth. Maybe let's produce a better product that helps more people and is more inclusive um, to a training perspective. Like, let's teach people how to contract muscles first before we tell them to move, you know, because movement, well, guess what? It virtually injures everybody that participates in it. Um, and that's you know, and well, for you, I guess technically you're a physio and, you know, you're telling me the other day that I think you have, what, um, 15 people with ACL injuries that you're dealing with right now on your roster? Uh, it's about to be 16 tomorrow, believe it or not. And, <laughs> um, like, to me, that, that, you know, it's a testament that you're awesome. So that, let's, let's look at it that way um, in being able to help rehab people and get them back to, the, you know, back to um, playing and um your return to play and stuff like that, but let's let's get them to you before they tear their ACL. It, it would it'd be nice, uh, you know, yeah. in a perfect world. But um, you know, it, it's that that goes down a whole rabbit hole of you know, can we prevent every injury and different things like that? Um, but you know, on that topic for a second, I think a lot of people are familiar with the ACL injury and, you know, the operative process. And if not, we have great podcast episodes on it, or at least I think they're great. Um, but, you know, afterwards, one of the first things I reach for is an isometric exercise. It's literally just quad setting, literally squeezing the quad. And we dose that in the form of hundreds to thousands of reps every single day. Um, yep. And, you know, that's probably the most important thing. It's a very low intensity thing, but we're doing it at a very high frequency. And it's isometric in nature because I'm sorry, but sitting there squeezing a muscle is not going to have really any 
concentric eccentric moment to it. Um, so that's one of the first things I reach for and it has great impact. And, you know, some people might look at that and they might say, you know what, I don't think that's going to do enough for me. I think I need to go right to the wall sit. And, um, you know, to your point, we kind of have to walk before we run. We have to progress and work up to things. And if I can't even just sit there and actively squeeze and engage a muscle, then, you know, do am I ready to progress to the, you know, phase 10 progression of it when I'm not even mastering step one yet? Um, so I think there's a lot of value in mastering the basics. And that's what I like about isometric exercise as well is, you can scale it up or regress it back very, very easily. Um, you know, in the past, we've talked about HEMAs versus PEMAs. You know, if I'm doing a uh, PEMA type isometric, like uh, pushing into the wall or something like that, I can push really, really light or I can push really ridiculously hard and create a hundred different levels of scale all by just changing how hard I push in about Fun. two seconds. Thing is, you can also be pushing really hard and keep pushing till it goes really, really light, right? Yeah. Based off, so durational, you can look at as well. Yep. Um, one of the things that I've done a lot with uh, rowing athletes specifically, um, and you know, you're sort of on the East Coast there. So head of the Charles over in Boston is a big, huge row, rowing regatta. And we used to do like 50 um, one second pulses. Um, with one of my rowing athletes, who was a three-time Olympic athlete, six foot six, 225 pounds of just ungodly um, awesomeness. And what we would do is his race is five kilometers, um, so 5,000 meters. And what we would do is we would do 19 one-minute deadlifts with about a five-second rest period between. Um, And then after we did that sort of level of abuse, um, we would then do 50 pulses at 10 through 90 degrees and 10 degree intervals. Uh, so you're looking at 450 repetitions, um, you know, at a one second interval at max exertion. So we went from what would be deemed isometric strength endurance to rate of force development or isometric rate of force development. So he could help with power development as well as the sustainability. Um, and the, the one of the things that I always want to get out there to the audience that listens um, isometrics is probably the safest and most effective way to train your tendon structures, right? And there's over 4,000 tendons in your body. Most people don't know that. They don't think about it. But tendons, what they do is they transmit force between the muscular system and the skeletal structure to either prevent or create movement. Um, so if you have some slackness to that or weakness to that tendon structure, your performance goes down your risk of injury goes up, your risk of poor health goes through the roof. Um, And the reason for that is if you think about how your lymphatic system circulates lymph, it's 100% controlled by your muscular system. So if you have muscles in your body structure that don't work properly, you're going to have some sort of, you know, toxic cesspool of waste that you're not circulating out of your system very efficiently. Right. And I'm going to say that's the onset of inflammation, which then leads to potentially things like cancer. Right. And I know that's, uh, you know, people like, oh, if you do isometrics, it's going to prevent cancer. No, if your muscular system fires better and you circulate lymph better, maybe that's a thing that you need to look at. And, you know, being healthier in all accounts uh, reduces your risk of things you don't want. So, yeah, you know, in general. A little tangent. 
<laughs> improve your uh, state of health and well-being. And, um, you know, I think that's the kind of thing that can really have a positive impact and start a little bit of a movement too, Brad, is, you know, I think when one person starts to do it, someone else will be inspired to do it as well, you know. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing we need a little bit more of in today's day and age, because as you mentioned before, you know, our uh, our studies and our numbers and long-term projections on health outcomes are not looking good. Um, I believe there was a paper uh, published about a decade ago. I might need to look and see if they did an updated one that said, you know, um, over 95% of Americans are going to be overweight or obese uh, within the next 20 years. Uh, and it's like, you know, that's that's slightly concerning for me to, you know, look at that number and see and it's like, you know, hey, if we if we just start uh, with some of these simple, basic things that can have a drastic impact, who knows what kind of long term implications we can have here? Well, exactly. And those are the things. And you, you really got to you know, look at it and go, well, where's the money and people being healthy? You know, you follow the you follow the trail of money and it's, it, it always comes back to, well, if you're sick, we can make a ton of money from you if you're healthy. We can't make much money from you because um, I, I was asked today, it's like, well, if isometrics was so good, why isn't everyone doing it? Well, there's two factors. One, ignorance to the subject area. And two, well, they, they're invested already in all the machines that already do dynamic exercise. You know, and with, you know, some of the equipment manufacturers out there, well, you know, people have existing um, intellectual property or, or patents that they can't work around. Um, so until they can sort of generate revenue from it, they're not going to promote it. Why would they? Um, it's just bad business to sort of say, hey, steer, steer the consumer dollar elsewhere. You know, but you look at um, when you go to a gym, as an example, look at how many treadmills they have. And why do they have that many treadmills? Well, because somebody can hit start and walk and not bother them. They put a TV there. They'll stay there for an hour. Um, you know, but walking and now this is uh, kind of interesting. Walking is the leading cause of hospitalizations uh, amongst um, seniors because they fall and break their hips, you know, or they injure themselves. They, they tear an ankle ligament or something to that effect. And it's like, okay, well, maybe if we help these individuals prepare for walking better, you know, and the stats on um, women and fractured hips is over 50% over the age of 50. You know, so you will most likely as a female, um, you, you will fracture your hip and require some sort of surgery um, before, you know, the time you die, which is just a staggering amount. And you look at that and you go, well, you know, could an isometric help with that? Well, if an isometric, if that tension or that upregulation of tension in the muscle structure pulls on that tendon and that tendon transmit force into that bone um, and that tendon actually forms the outer surface of the bones called the periosteum well maybe just maybe that bone's going to get stronger and so that uh, when you're looking at the periosteum the only place um, when you're talking about skeletal bone that you don't have it is usually at the end at the joint surface right where you have hyaline cartilage um, you know so that way you you end up looking at that going okay well if i can increase my isometric tension or force regulation um, I'm going to have stiffer tendons. I'm going to therefore have stiffer tendons pulling on bone more frequently at a higher rate. And we need stress on bone to lay down all the tubercles, not tubercles, what's the uh, word I'm looking for? Uh, trabeculae. Um, 
And so once we have that, you look at that and go, okay, we can make bone stronger with isometrics as well. Uh, so it really, where we sort of started the conversation, um, it has this ability to cascade across all areas, you know, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a general pop, whether you're in a rehab situation and or, you know, wanting to prevent a rehab situation. Yeah, no, I think you're uh, you're absolutely right about that, Brad. And, uh, you know, in general, I feel like we've covered a lot in the way of, you know, discussing the various benefits of isometric exercise, but really honing in a little bit there on the cardiovascular implications, as you mentioned there. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts or closing remarks or anything that we didn't quite address uh, in regards to isometrics and cardiovascular health and some of the other various benefits of isometric loading? Um, it basically first um, I looked up the uh, author of the uh, study. It's Edwards, um, not Andrews. What I said earlier, I knew I knew I was wrong. Um, so one of the cool things that actually helps with cognition. So they say clearly I, I dropped the ball on that one. Um, but when you're looking at isometrics, it, it's just a safe way to start exercise. And what um, we need to start to focus on is if we want to sort of um, reach a larger audience with exercise. We, we need to be doing isometrics. Um, it's safer, it's more effective, and it's more efficient from a training methodology. Uh, so that way, what people can end up doing is having a positive impact um, initially with exercise, as opposed to saying, hey, I don't like it. It hasn't worked for me. Um, yeah, every time I do it, I, you know, I go hard, I end up injured. Um, it's, you know, it, we just need to approach it differently because I, exercise is the magic pill. Uh, that helps everyone get better. It's just we dispense it at the wrong dosage. And, you know, a lot of people do get hurt by it. And more so, they have such a negative experience with it traditionally that they don't want to do it. It doesn't matter that they know it's healthy for them. You know, it's just like, eh, whatever. I'd rather, I would rather be unhealthy than, you know, go into a gym environment that, you know, makes them feel uncomfortable, makes them feel um, vulnerable, or, you know, in some cases just makes them feel kind of dumb. And it's like, we, we need to change that approach, um, I think. so. No, I completely agree with you. As you mentioned, it's important to have a good, healthy relation with, you know, exercise, which is a great means of taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, arguably the best way to take care of yourself um, and really just take charge of your overall health and health status. And the better your relation with improving yourself, uh, you know, from a health standpoint, I think the better the rest of your life becomes, at least in my opinion. Um, right. For people who want to find out more about you, ISOFIT, maybe they want to check out, you know, your devices and, you know, possibly purchase one themselves. Where can they find you at and where can they find out more info? So website is ISOFIT, which is I-S-O-P as in Peter, H as in Henry, IT.com. So ISOFIT.com. And I, prolific on Instagram. So I put out a bunch of stuff on Instagram every day. We do put out a daily sort of blog post. Um, you know, we sort of call it the upskill, um, really kind of newsletter. And what it is, it's a daily post on isometric exercise and how it can sort of influence a specific subject area. Like today, it was basically, um, you know, how isometric uh, muscle contractions can reduce eccentric uh, tissue trauma. Um, in athletes, you know, so that way the athlete can basically show up on game day prepared and being able to not be as injured or as sore 
um, which is a very, very common element within sport where the athletes, you know, they, they play so frequently. Um, what they often do is uh, they take rest days, but during that rest day or even pregame, they should be doing isometrics to enhance that neural connection. Um, so stuff like that, if you're interested in learning more about isometrics, we, as I said, I put out something every day. Um, you know, I don't tag you all the time, but <laughs> but it's um, we, we get very positive feedback. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it, man. Yeah, so, like, well, you, you know, if you're going to want to keep up with me on social media, Brad, you're going to have to rejoin my space at this point because um, I'm trying to bring that back uh, in 2023. It was it was before. Well, sorry, it was around during my time, but uh, <laughs> I was I was already onto Facebook, you know, so lived there since 2008, I think. So anyways, yeah. dude, I it's appreciate I love your podcast. I love what you guys are doing. Your guests are incredible. Um, I got a couple of guests I'm going to send your way. Um, they're pretty prominent uh, individuals in the world of sport. So, you know, I've got some, uh, I got some great things lined up for you as well, just from, uh, you know, handing, handing over some of our ISOFIT audience because uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's growing and people are jumping on sort of, let's call it the bandwagon, if you will. And uh, it, it's, as I said, every day, it's just remarkable how we just grow and grow and grow. Um, and then we got some, unbelievably exciting news that i can't divulge yet um but i can guarantee you every person on this podcast listening knows who this person is and they just bought a ton of isofits um and they're going to expand throughout the u.s and um pretty awesome Uh, but anyways i I love the sounds of that and i'm looking forward to hearing more about that very soon brad i'm gonna link to your website your social media accounts all of that sort of thing in the description below um maybe the only fans too um i'm gonna start a foot fetish thing so you know i was talking to my wife about that she's like she's like i can do that i got nice feet i'm like i but i got fred flintstone feet like you know i I, i'm going old school on this one like i'm gonna basically get my sort of um what do you call that leopard um you know outfit and then uh, (laughs) stuff like those primal guys there you go there you go we'll uh we'll link to all of that in the description below so that way if people want to check out anything from the isometric devices to um pictures of your feet maybe um you know we'll we'll have all of that there uh for their uh viewing pleasure we'll call it so always a pleasure brad it is very good um we'll link it to your flexor halicus longus and how that increases jumping performance with an isometric um i I like it there you go buddy i'm Um, here for it that study too (laughs) we'll talk to you Hey everyone, I want to take a second and tell you all about AliRx. AliRx is a at-home food sensitivity and gut health testing panel. You order online and then receive and complete your test at home for food sensitivities. You then receive a custom report online through your member portal and then receive personalized recipes and supplements that are catered to you based on your food sensitivities. If this is something that interests you, you can check out the link and description in my bio and you can use the coupon code capital D, capital B, R-A-U-N, capital R-X, so D-B-R-A-U-N-R-X, at checkout to save yourself 20%. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend 
subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you next time.